Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, Maridistas? This is Kian Sobani. Happy Friday. Happy international break. We got Everything covered on our website, every single Real Madrid player who's on the international break is covered in written form. We are not doing it so much in podcast form, but in written form on the website, you'll catch it. And uh, most recently, Sam Leverage wrote about Jose Luke Carvajal and Fran Garcia versus Scotland, and we've got lots more to come. Also on the website today, you'll find takeaways from Real Madrid's start to the season. It's a round table conversation from myself, Matt Wilty, Sam Leverage, Ewan McTeer, Yash Thakur, Lucas Navarrete, and Mehedi Hassan. We answer questions in article form over on managingmajor.com. It's called Takeaways from Real Madrid's Start to the Season. With that out of the way, wanted to give you guys an introduction to today's podcast clip. It is taken from Wednesday's live call. Once a week, we log on Zoom and our members log on Zoom with us, and they ask us questions face-to-face, live on the call. And it's great. Tons of fun. It's a great conversation. It's a pleasure for me and all the managing and staff to meet you guys and also just converse with you guys. That's really special. So I would urge you guys to join in on those weekly calls. Um, if you're not a patron or a YouTube member yet, please go and sign up. And you, if you are and you don't... Um, join the calls. You just kind of listen to them after. I'd urge you to actually join the calls and ask questions. Um, In this particular clip, we were asked about classical matchups and potential lineups. So um, will Vinicius play against Araujo or Cancelo on that wing? Will Carlo Ancelotti start Camavinga or Mendy at left back? And the full episode, which is not included in this clip, we revisit our thoughts during the Luis Figo transfer. Um, whether or not Chuomeni or Mendy is best suited as center back. I know, like the fact that we're even having this conversation is quite frightening, but it is a question that came up. Um, how would Osman do in this particular Real Madrid team? What are the chances Carlo Ancelotti actually stays next season? Would Xabi Alonso tweak the system that he currently uses at Bayer Leverkusen if he were to come here next season? Beckham's new documentary and much more. So the full episode is in the show notes. And once again, we do the weekly call 
once a week for members. Uh, members also get access to our weekly mailbag, uh, which is being released today over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid and a ton more, including the midweek postgame show. So please sign up if you like the content. We'd love to have you inside the family. And here's today's clip. Enjoy. And today we're going to answer questions. So if you're just joining the call now, raise your virtual hand if you want to ask a question. We can talk about anything you guys want. And I'm here for you guys. And I'm looking forward to it. So we're going to start with Carlos Fuentes. Carlos, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. What's up, buddy? Hey, Keon. Thanks for setting this up. Uh, my question was, uh, do you have any predictions for the upcoming Classico coming up? And how do you think they'll play out? Any <laughs> matchups between players do you think will be uh, in the spotlight? And how does that compare to both teams who are fully fit? I know Barcelona are having their own little injury crisis right now yeah i mean uh, the thing is when you're talking about a game so far in advance and i know it's this month but the things that can happen from now until then are, are crazy like you know players who are fit now may not be fit then for both sides uh we don't really i mean i don't really know for sure what what is happening with lewandowski last i checked he may or may not make it um i don't really know the extent of gavi's injury which he picked up on international break we also have our own concerns. Um, uh, a big question is, will Carlo go with Mendy or Kamavinga at the left-back position? Will he repeat some of the mistakes that were made in the derby, which is which was a previous big game in La Liga, which he chose to rest our defensive midfielder? These are all questions I have. Knowing how both of these teams are playing this season um, and also knowing that sometimes and often, actually, the form of neither team matters that much heading into it because we've seen plenty of times before where Real Madrid are quote-unquote better than Barca and then we go into a game against them and all of a sudden we, we go extremely conservative and, and Barca start knocking it around and gaining confidence and, and, and just rip through us. So also just with the caveat that form may not matter heading into this game that much and what really matters is can you take the game to Barca and make them uncomfortable? Because anyone who does can really punch them in the mouth a little bit. They have a high line. Their defense has not been as good as it was last year. I also think their defense in some ways was lucky last season in the sense that Ter Stegen was in God mode and their XG against XGA was um, much more than their actual goals conceded, which meant that opponents were missing some really easy chances against them. So if you can exploit their high line, you can get the ball to Vinicius. Oh, one big, in terms of matchups, something that's different this year that, uh, you know, has not been the case the last couple years is Barca go with Araujo typically at right back to quote-unquote control Vinicius. This season they have Jao Cancelo, and Cancelo is not as good defensively. And will Xavi put Cancelo there or will he put Araujo there that's an interesting question. Maybe he'll he'll do something where he'll go Araujo on defense or right back, and then in the build-up phase they'll move Cancelo to you know in the inverted position, or they'll or, or they'll switch him there. I don't know what he'll do necessarily, but that's an interesting matchup I'll be looking at. Um, conversely, on that same flank, will it be Kamavingo or Mendy? Kamavingo was fantastic as left back uh, at the Camp Nou last season, putting Rafinha in his pocket. What will Carlo do there? 
Of course, that has ramifications because if Kamavinga doesn't start at left back and Mendy does, that means Kamavinga moves to midfield, which in turn means that somebody's getting benched and it's either Cruz. I mean, it's it's probably Cruz. So will you actually go into a Clasico without Cruz or Modric, both of them on the bench? That would be a little bit surprising to me. Um, so that that's one question mark I have. Uh, what else? Of course, the big one is what's going to happen at center back if Alaba returns. God forbid, what happens if Rudiger picks up a yellow card against Sevilla? Then you're back in this situation where you might have to go chew many and Alaba uh, as your center back partnership. These are all questions, and that's why it's hard to answer so far in advance, Carlos, um, because there's so much that can happen from now until then with suspensions and injuries and um, lineup choices. Does that make sense? Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I think, you know, like once we get past the Sevilla game, that's when I think we'll we'll, we'll look, at it, look at it really closely and, and see what, what we have for both sides. Furhan, are you there? Hi, Keon. Um, can you hear me? Yes, How I can. Doing? How you doing? doing well. Yeah, not too bad. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. Um, good. Yeah, I, we just had a Canadian Thanksgiving. I don't know if there's any Canadians on the call, but Canadian Thanksgiving was this weekend. So Monday night was just disgusting in terms of food intake. So mom made all my favorite uh, Persian stews, and uh, there was just a lot of a lot of food consumption. So I'm, I'm recovering now, but everything is well. Furhan can't complain at all. Um, what's your question? That's good. That's good. Um, just a couple of quick questions. I know we've... We possibly discussed about uh, Joe, um, Joe Felix and then Joe Cancelo um, earlier as well. I just had a, a slightly different sort of take to that. I was just watching and following Barcelona, of course, uh, over the last month or so, and the way uh, these both have been performing more Cancelo uh, than than Joe Felix. I thought they might have kind of helped Barcelona at least win a game or two. Um, so in terms of the points gained. Um, they might have just already contributed by by getting them to the four points. So just looking at in terms of Real Madrid's policy of buying um, buying players of the transfer market, I know Bayern Munich they they have a specific policy where they target uh, players from their key opponents within the league. Uh, they try to poach the best players off of them, Borussia Dortmund and so on in a two-way strategy to not just strengthen themselves, but to weaken the opponents and have the domin- have that sort of, uh, you know, um, um, establish the dominance. So I know um, Barcelona and Real Madrid have been kind of vying for the same talents in the past, but they usually go for big um, sort of superstars. So just wondering, did Real Madrid sort of miss a trick in going for Cancelo and Joao Felix. I know they might have marginally just improved us, caught, uh, perhaps more in the right-back situation. Uh, but both, but, but those two were players who could have sort of uh, helped us fill a need. And more importantly, the replacements for them, for Barcelona in the market, would have been far worse than than than, than Cancelo and then Joao Felix. Um, so just kind of thinking... Uh, what what's your take on that? Um, the other thing is just quickly: do you do you know? Uh, it's a sort of sort of a niche question. Do you know about any? Not, not really know, but 
but you know uh, if if top tier football clubs do they employ sports psychologists and sports psychiatrists as a full time um on a full time basis or do they just just use them um use them as required uh, yes yeah. i'll not get into why thanks uh i don't know the answer to that second question to be quite honest with you uh, i'm i i don't know um so it's an interesting question i'm not i'm not aware of some um, someone that ram would employ for example for that specific case i also prob- it probably depends on um this is not, again this is not really information but uh i know for example like based on what country you live in it is normalized more than other countries to get you know have a full time therapist like for example in south america uh and i think it's a it's a good good way to look at it is like you have a dentist you have a doctor you have um your your physical personal trainer you have your teacher and then you have your therapist and it's not like taboo to like have a therapist right it's just something even if you don't have quote unquote mental health problems and you just you know you're having an amazing life and you're so happy you still have one um it's just a very normal thing and uh so i don't know like if there's like maybe for example south american clubs that that may employ it uh more so than european clubs i don't have the answer to this um i i can i can actually try to find out after this podcast because i'm interested but i'm not aware necessarily right now uh of that being the case um with regards to your first question on Jao Felix and Jao Cancelo um look they were obviously uh, available and whether they would have helped this version of Real Madrid or not i mean it's kind of an unknown i i would my hunch is that they would certainly improve the squad um it would be really nice to have Jao Cancelo there as well as like a secondary right back option but of course we know it's not that simple we can't just say oh Jao Cancelo would be great because you can start him or you can play him when Carvajal is injured but you have to look at it from Jao Cancelo's perspective what he would agree to and what he would not agree to because in Real Madrid's eyes Dani Carvajal is a as a club legend right and he is the starting right back so if Cancelo like what what is your pitch to Cancelo like hey come here if you you know if if you can just like you know give us minutes here and there when we're resting Carvajal or come off the bench whereas Barca can just actually give him a guaranteed starting right back role so you have to factor those things in sometimes those positions are tricky to fill um Jao Cancelo was kind of the same i mean he's been coming off years of being in these awkward situations with teams that really didn't know how to use him and because of that everybody lost. Atletico purchased him for an insane amount of money and put him in a team that does not cater to his strengths. He went to Chelsea which was a mess. Basically anyone who's maybe not like Enzo Fernandez and and a couple of exceptions here and there goes there and fails because the system is a mess. They don't have any sporting vision when they put their team together. So he went there it was a disaster. Uh now he went he's he's in Barca which actually gives him a role. that none of those teams could have offered him which is this prominent role as this kind of pseudo 10 where he can kind of drift in and out of the box and play between the lines and have a have a focal point on offense where he's not expected to be the main goal scorer but can also create can chip in with goals here and there in this ideal situation which I don't think Real Madrid could have offered him because 
We have Vinicius in Bellingham, and despite what you might think of his form right now, Rodrigo, who is someone that the club really values highly, and rightfully so, based on what he's done. So it's just a little bit less straightforward if you bring them to Madrid um, for those reasons. So I don't think it was that straightforward that they would have been great signings. And also, like, this is Real Madrid. This is a team that in the last few years has erred on the side of continuity, um, pragmatism, and market opportunities. And it's like you either get the guy you want or you go for a more younger player and invest in them. And Zhao Felix and Zhao Cancelo don't really fit into those two categories. So they they looked at that as well. And so I think it's, you know, maybe they, they improved the squad overall, like as like a 23-man squad overall for, the, for, for three competitions into the season. Sure. But I just don't think you would have seen the same level of success necessarily if you had signed Zhao Felix and Zhao Cancelo, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, I, I didn't really think of in terms of um, pitch to both the players. Uh, I think I think that, I think you make a good point there. Um, yeah, I was just kind of thinking in terms of a metric that that baseball uses called wins wins about replacement player. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm not so into advanced statistics in football. I'm not sure if if they use similar. So. I'm just kind of thinking in terms of if you apply that metric to a right-back position for a replacement player to Cancelo and to Joao Felix that would be available to Barcelona on a free for that for their sort of thing. I I, I thought I thought they would be in a huge difference and that might have had an impact. But but yeah. And and regards to your other answer, I think that's very helpful to know the insight about South American um, sort of uh, the culture except being accepted accepting of, of having therapy and I completely agree with you actually I work in a mental health profession myself and that's part of the reason why I was kind of kind of wanting to know mm. um yeah so so that's that's really interesting to know and yes uh, I do understand or I do and the way I look at it as well as is uh, you know everybody needs the physical health aspect of things you know, it's not just it's not just people who are obese or whatever that need to go to the gym or workout and so on. So right. it doesn't necessarily that you need to have mental health problems to go seek help. So yeah, that's helpful. And uh, thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, also just welcoming Sid to the call. Sid, what's up, man? Uh, welcome. Uh, just a note on wins above replacement. I mean, it, it's it's available in basketball too. I think in football, it's really hard to implement that because there's 11 players. Um and again, like it's not like the, in baseball, there's like two players, but in basketball, there's five players. Like in football, we have the same plus minus stat that exists in basketball, where it's like you, you know, what is the net um, positive in terms of points allowed and points scored when a player is on the court or off the court? And in basketball, I think that stat is actually pretty helpful because you can also um, group it in terms of lineups. You can say, okay, when these five players on the court, what is the plus minus of each player? What is the, the plus minus of the entire team? In soccer, that actually, that stat does exist. You can go on football reference and see the plus minus of every player on the team. But it's in- incredibly difficult to um, to prove causation in, in football because it, there's 11 players on the field and how much of a difference does one player actually make? It's hard to measure that. Um, you know, we I remember when when plus minus 
first came out, I think, in Football Reference. We were looking at it, um, or maybe it wasn't plus minus at the time. It was like this. Okay, so this is what it was. There was a stat that said, this was during like the Zidane three-peat era. There was a stat that said like, that came out that was like, Lucas Vasquez, whenever he plays, Real Madrid has not lost. And then you look at the stat, you're like, yeah, of course, because Zidane has more trophies than losses. When anyone is on the field, everyone wins. Like it's so, so like you can't like measure that. And if and if like if you like lose one of those games, you can't like take that tiny sample size and say, okay, it was because this player was on the field or not. Um, we we kind of like with football, it's the hardest measure to sport in terms of anal- uh, Sorry, it's the hardest sport to measure in terms of analytics because there's so many players on the field. There's so many variables. Um, there's just so many different game states and, and things that are happening that it's just kind of harder to measure those things. Um, I don't know, if, Sid, if you had any thoughts on that, wins above replacement and like how you could apply that to football. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, no, I've I've been thinking about it a lot recently because um this is actually all I think about if we want to go about expertise other than conspiracy theories. Um, <laughs> but in that um no, it's much more tricky to measure impact of one player in football. Um I've been thinking about it a lot since seeing Messi, Alba, and Busquets go to Miami, seeing guys like Ronaldo, Benzema go to Saudi, just seeing the isolated effects. Um it's a whole trip because I think um like the impact of one player is so unique it can it really depends on how the team wants to play for example you took Imeric Laporta and you put him on Al Nasser and he made a huge difference to the way the team builds up in my opinion in my opinion he added a lot to the offense and that's such a contextual measure it's so hard to put an all-in-one number on that like you like a a footballer who's right-footed 10 times worse at building up, but maybe a better goal scorer doesn't add as much to Al Nasser because Al Nasser needs someone who can organize the back, distribute the ball. And I think um, the more players you have, the more context starts mattering in individual players. Um, basketball is just easier to measure. I've, I've started coming around to the idea that basketball is a simpler sport as much as I love it. And I, it's just as entertaining to me. But I think when you only have five players in a sport like that compared to 11 here, it's just easier. Um, baseball, there's less interaction effects. They're not all on the field at the same time. And like Marcelo's press resistance doesn't change the way Casemiro behaves. It's just the hitter and it's the pitcher. Um, so I think, yeah, football is honestly the most complex. I think the all-in-one metrics are the hardest, but there are ones that are good. 
people like uh, Luka Jovic do, did show up really well on those types of metrics when we signed him. They exist. Um, it's just, um, I think in basketball, if you took the five best players in a WAR style metric or any other sport, you take the five best players in that metric, they're probably pretty close to the five best players in what you're looking for. But in football, it's very likely the model spits out something stupid. You have to really have a good head to make sure it's correct. Yeah. And that, the other thing is too, like the, the benefit of basketball and like <clears throat> knowing like what lineups work and what lineups don't based on analytical perspective, you see so many different combinations and so many of these different combinations actually have large sample sizes together. You can actually see like this group of players just destroys people. And the thing is you have unlimited subs in basketball, right? So you can say like, you know, teams sometimes have predetermined rotations. So like they'll start resting stars, for example, at the end of the first quarter and the start of the second quarter. How does the team do with the stars on the bench with these group of players on the court in those, let's say, six minutes, for example? And you can kind of see how effective they are or they aren't. And you can really see over a large sample size what group of players works together and what group of players doesn't. It's impossible in football. You have five subs now and even if you can kind of see some momentum or rhythm with regards to how these group of players are doing over like five games, it's still hard to extrapolate and come up with a, a real analysis of like, okay, this is the group that works. This is the group that doesn't. It's just, it's just much harder in football to do that. Uh, all right. We got a ton of questions up. So next up was Wuska. Wuska, are you there? Yeah. Hey, Kiana and Sid. How are you hey. guys? Good man, welcome. Yeah, thanks. I uh, basically wanted to ask two questions. Uh, first was first is against uh, Barcelona. Obviously, the thing is, see, obviously we can't uh, talk a lot in advance, but two things are a certainty in terms of Barca that Lewandowski and uh, Kunde are going to be out. So, is it confirmed that Lewandowski around- won't make it? Most reports are saying that he will. It will be difficult for him okay. to make it to the yeah. So if he doesn't make, say he doesn't make it to to uh, to the game, are we safe from crosses? Because I don't think Ferran Torres will be that good in terms of heading. I really don't know about that. And uh, if if say if if uh, Rudiger does not get carded against Sevilla and there's a Laba who comes back and secondly Kunde uh, Kunde is out so maybe Araujo will play at centre back because when he starts at at striker position obviously he drifts a lot towards the left still but uh, will Araujo still play at centre back maybe and uh, the second question is I just watched uh, uh, the Figo affair and. Uh, I just wanted to get the perspective of a Madridista at that time of receiving a guy in the club who uttered shit about Madridistas, who called them crybabies and all. How how hard was it to accept that that a person who said so many bad things about you is coming to the club? Or was it easy? Okay, no issues, but uh, this guy is a great player and he'll help us win trophies. Um. Yeah. Okay. So great, uh, great, interesting questions. Um, the, the Figo affair thing, I don't know if you saw it, but if you look it up, we actually did, uh, at least a couple pods on El Caso Figo on that specific documentary. 
Um, so if you haven't already, go listen to. We actually interviewed the uh, the director of the of the uh, the documentary on the podcast. He came on the podcast and we interviewed him, and uh, it was a really fun discussion. So yes. he took us behind the scenes. So that's there. Go listen to that. Diego and I also did a couple churros episodes on on it. So you get his perspective and mine. And also just say like, was it difficult to hear someone who talks shit about us every single day um, to join us? Hell no, because. <laughs> You, it just ripped the heart out of them. Like it just ripped the heart out of all those fans. And he, and he's a great player, and it pissed them off for a Madridista. That was a win-win. Um, I mean, immediately from a football standpoint, it made a huge difference. They went from winning the league with him and us being uh, coming fifth that previous season that Liga. He came over to Real Madrid and we won the league. And Barca kind of went into a dark period, so that was easy. Um. Oh, right, Barca and uh, the Classico. That's interesting. I, I don't know how you feel, Sid. Um, the Lewandowski thing, <clears throat> I don't know if it's like this huge advantage for Real Madrid that he doesn't play. The reason I say that is because he hasn't hurt us that much um, in the past. I think Militao's done an amazing job on him. Obviously, we don't have Militao, but Rudiger's an excellent um, star striker stopper, for lack of a better word. And also, like... Barca is not, it's not just that the aerial threat that they're dangerous on crosses. They're very good at getting into the half spaces and doing cutbacks. So like Ferran and Jao Felix, they don't need like a high cross. Although Jao, they can both actually head the ball, but they don't need a high cross. They can, they can do damage with cutbacks and low crosses as well. So I don't know if like it's this huge advantage if he doesn't play. How do you feel, Sid? Yeah, that's how I felt. Um, I actually think if there's a game where Ferran is more likely to get on the end of those low crosses, unfortunately, it's a Clasico. He always looks more fired up in those games, whether they win or lose. Um, so what we what we are, I guess, more protected from is the aerial balls that they put in that they put in against Alaba with Morata. I don't know if Alaba will play the Clasico, but those Probably. aerial balls will I, I, I'm not as afraid of those. Yeah, if Alaba plays, I guess that's the one good good saving grace. Um, because I, I don't think that happens again, but the way that happened in the Atletico game, I'm definitely scared of someone just pinging it over Alaba. Um, otherwise, yeah, he's... I'm, I'm, I think Ferran actually will look good on El Clasico. I hate to say it, but like that's the one day of the year. Lewandowski out. He gets his chance to go and impress the camp now faithful. He's going to want to go hard. And um, he's been good this year. Yeah, yeah. I think when he spent so long on the bench and he's trained so hard, he's just a good player. Like It's a lot of discipline coming to the fore. So I wouldn't be too excited about facing him. But yeah, I mean, no Lewandowski is, is a good thing. I'm not... I guess I feel Lewandowski tactically, he's not like the... A problem on his own it's more like if Barcelona are set up really well Lewandowski is going to be terrifying if Barcelona as a team aren't set up well I don't see him changing that on his own so yeah I guess it's funny how I don't know if, I don't see Lewandowski and Ferran being something that changes the dynamics at all if anything Ferran's going to press more like with more intensity possibly um the the question about Araujo and where he plays um I, you know this was I don't know if you joined the call late or not Wuska but uh these, these are the same questions that I had like Sid what do you think makes sense from a Barca perspective because in years past the Clasico 
it's been Araujo deployed at the right back position to act as the Vinicius stopper. They have Jao Cancelo now, who is not as good defensively, but I don't know. Like, what, 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 what do you think they'll do there? Do you think that they'll put Araujo in, in, as a CB, especially with Kunde's injury, um, as Wuska was pointing out? Yeah, I think if Kunde was healthy, they would have definitely went with Christensen or Araujo Kunde. I think Xavi has too much respect for Vinicius. Now, what do you even do? You have to kind of play. You kind of have to play Cancelo. There's no Eric Garcia. You're not going to play Sergio Roberto. Are you going to play Inigo Martinez at center back with Christensen and Araujo at right back? Maybe. Um, I don't think they will do that because I think um, on the day, the name of the players will take over. I think first class go of the season, Joao Cancelo will probably get his name on the team sheet. Yeah. Um, I think because what happens is when, when you're the manager in a situation like that, you want to give Joao Cancelo a chance and if Araujo was healthy and Kunde was healthy both, that opportunity never presents itself. So, yeah, I think you give Cancelo the chance over Inigo Martinez. But if he's if he plays Inigo, it just means he's scared of Vinny, which I, I could see it happening. I think he should be scared of Vinny. Um, I'll put it that way. I Personally, I like our chances if Cancelo plays right back. I think it would be easier to take advantage of that space in behind. Now, like, I'm not saying it's this routine thing that, like, oh, all of a sudden we cook them. But, um, you know, Cancelo will leave space in behind, but he's also fast in transition. He's also not as good of a 1v1 defender as Araujo. And Araujo will be playing on that side regardless, and he can come over and cover. So it would still be difficult. It would just be a little bit of a different look than what we've seen in previous Clásicos. And um, Vinicius still has his moments against Araujo anyway. But I, I, I like our chances in transition better if it's Cancelo there. Um, and, and we've been pretty good for certain aspects of our defensive transition. If Chiumeni's there and Kamavinga's there as well, yeah, I, I like our chances defensively as well against Cancelo. And I, I guess it will be Yamal on that side probably. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But um, yeah, that's the one. I, there's a there's a few questions again. If you join late, like I had a bunch of like I, like a list of questions of what will happen from now until then, and for the Classico, so you can go back and listen to it. But that that's one of them. Like, what will Xavi do for that situation? Will he go Cancelo or Araujo? And um, that'll be interesting. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.